Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. I'm Dan Roselle, and I'm joined, as always, by John Fisher. How are you doing, John? I am doing okay on a hot summer day ahead of free agency frenzy. Yeah, the, the stove is getting hot as the weather's getting hot, and there's a lot that's yet to be decided. A lot of speculation running rampant, and really not a lot of stuff we can talk about on that end besides who's available. I think any rumors or anything like that is simply that. We've seen a lot of surprise signings or trades. I put surprise in air quotes that obviously you can't see, but we have yet to find out how the chips will fall starting tomorrow. We're recording this the day before free agency, but we do have a lot of updates to get to in devil's world here because the NHL draft came and went and the devils uh, decided to use a lot of their picks on defensemen, including their second overall pick. Now we had discussed Simone Nemitz as a possibility at number two, but um, I don't think anyone expected that pick to happen if Shane Wright was still on the board, and he was, as Montreal selected Juraj Slavkovsky first, and the Devils, um, you know, contributed to the first one-two punch in NHL draft history in terms of Slovakians being taken uh, in those slots. So Simone Nemec joins the Devils' blue line, a puck-moving defenseman, uh, a lot of points in the Slovakian Pro League, a smooth skater, and again, by all accounts, not a surprising pick to have him at two, but surprising to take him over right at that point. And I guess Arizona felt the same way because they ended up t- uh, passing over him as well. But let's talk the devil's perspective here. What do you think of the uh, Nemitz pick here? Well, I'm of the opinion that Nemitz is, was and is the best defenseman in this draft class. Mm-hmm. So to that end, you know, if you're going to go defense – pick the best defenseman in the draft class. The only guy who had a legitimate argument against that was David Juracek, who did suffer a significant knee injury. And while he did return to play this past season, I don't think it was enough games for most people, at least in my opinion, to be comfortable saying this is the guy that needs to go, uh, go be picking up. I'd like to think that Kel McCarr's unanimous con Smythe uh, trophy win uh, mm-hmm. help contribute to this pick because I think it may have opened up a lot of people's eyes to say you don't need to be a massive dude on defense to make a big impact and Nemitz absolutely is not a massive dude but he just like Slakovsky played a ton of international hockey for Slovakia both at the world under 18s uh, division 1a tournament he was at the world junior championships before they were canceled he played on the same teams as Slakovsky did at the qualifiers for the Olympics the Olympics themselves and the world championships um you know, and and he was productive, shooting lots of pucks, carrying lots of pucks, being solid in his own end. You know, I mean, I'm personally of the opinion that Shane Wright was and is the best player in this draft class. And I'm going to boldly suggest that Nemich may and Nemitz may end up being a very good player for the Devils. But I fear that this is going to be something that we're going to relitigate for years to come, because I really do think. When, a, when you get a 17 slash 18 year old guy who can think and play like Wright does like that, you don't worry about the position. You just, mm. you just, you pick the best players. You pick the most talented players. And as we're going to find out tomorrow, guys who can be excellent attackers, guys who can be very productive guys who think the game on another level, they don't come cheap Dan. Yeah. Like there's going to be a lot of silly contracts given out tomorrow. We'll hope that the, the devils aren't one of them. You know, if they're going to use their money, we'll talk about the free agents they can use it on later. But let's keep moving through the draft, because the next thing that happened for the Devils was actually not a pick that they made, but instead a trade that they made where they traded the 37th pick and the 70th overall pick to Washington. 
for Washington's 46th overall pick and Vitek Vanacek, the goaltender from Washington who had platooned with uh, Ilya Samsonov this season. And uh, Washington seemingly has decided that goaltenders are not a priority for them at all in that they have zero on their roster right now. But the Devils acquire Vanacek and it seems like the plan for now is to platoon him with uh, what Tom Fitzgerald really, really hopes and believes is a revitalized Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah, before the draft, uh, Fitzgerald did clearly say that he wants to address the goaltending position. It was the only thing related to free agency he would comment about. Um, you know, excuse me. I believe he saw that other teams have been acquiring or re-signing goaltenders, uh, thinning out that potential free agent market for, for the position. So um, I'd like to think that once he got win that Ville Huso, which was a popular name to New Jersey, uh, was uh, acquired by Detroit for a third round pick. Uh, Fitzgerald mm-hmm. decided, I need to go get a goaltender now. And he, I think he's right to do so. And he got a very, he got a pretty good one in Vanacek. Uh, he outplayed Samsonov. Yes, the overall save percentages aren't that amazing looking, but when you look at five on five, they are. Uh, Washington's penalty kill and overtime play kind of undercut Vanacek's uh, and Samsonov's uh, save percentages. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's a pretty shrewd move because you get, let's be real here, as much as I was hopeful for, you know, what the Devils could do at 37th overall, and there is some legitimate, there was some legitimate talent available at 70th overall. Neither of those guys are goaltenders, and the Devils needed a goaltender in the worst way. And they got a guy that, uh, if Blackwood does not perform well, can, we can at least say, well, the Devils have at least one decent goaltender because Vanacek is very much a decent goaltender. And he, you know, he, exactly. He, he's used to platooning. And if that's the plan, then at least the workload will be familiar to him. Uh, he does need a contract. The, yes. This trade was made because Washington didn't want to pay him. But um, I, I think the Devils have plenty of room to uh, to really figure out how to make that work. Um, yeah. And I would love for them to figure out sooner rather than later how to get Jesper Bratt signed sealed and delivered we're all clamoring for it but again it feels like at this point it's just a leverage play and brat's not really going anywhere by all accounts he loves being here i just want to address that really quick um it's just like i don't know It, it they're waiting on something and I don't know what it is, but I think the end result is going to be Brad's going to be signed. If there's an offer sheet, the devils can bounce that away with relative ease. So I, I don't really fear losing Jesper Brat to any no. sort of uh, shenanigans here. And uh, so they have to get Vanacek signed. They, they ended up while we're on the point of restricted free agents, um, qualifying all of their restricted free agents. Yes. Uh, they took miles wood to arbitration, which we'll talk about later. Let's hold that for now. And um there's another move that they made, but back to the draft really quickly at that 46th overall slot that they acquired from Washington, they drafted uh Seamus Casey or Sean Casey. Oops. Nope. Seamus. Oh, Seamus Casey. I was right. Okay. So Seamus Casey at 46th overall, another U S national team development program defenseman. So another defenseman that's two for two so far. Yeah. I mean, when he got drafted, the NHL network broadcast, immediately went into, well, you know, the one problem with the national team developmental program is that you have some talented players who have to play a lesser role that they would on other teams, which made me think, well, why don't you just draft the guy who ran the first power play unit, Lane Hudson, but we all know why he wasn't picked. He's, you know, barely five foot eight. Uh, But nevertheless, Casey is a solid player. He wasn't my choice that I wanted the Devils to take it uh, with Washington's second round pick. I think Gleb Trikazov would have been a fantastic selection lane hudson would have been you know 
a bit of a galaxy brain, but I think it would pay off pretty well. You could have went for the hardworking and speedy uh, Adam Shakora or David Goyette. Um, but Casey on his own is a solid offensive-minded right-sided defenseman. That's the second right-sided defenseman that they have drafted so far after uh, Nebitz. Um, he's going to go to college. He will probably do pretty well. Um, and we'll see what co- what becomes of him in the future. Um, you know, again, I would have preferred four other guys at that position, and they all got drafted at the tail end of the second round. But Casey on his own is not a big swing and a miss. He was projected to go around this point of the draft and he did and he's uh, got the jersey ties i think that's something that's nice for the fans to yeah, think about his, yeah part of his family are devils fans he's originally from miami florida i believe he's the first miami uh, florida born player to be drafted yep yep that is true and I, he said his dad is from jersey so he's been a long time fan it must be nice to see your son in the jersey that you love so uh, that's a nice feeling, but again, we'll we'll see what he can do. He's at development camp now as well with all or most of the other picks. Um, okay, so we go to the 102nd overall pick after that, where the Devils took, as is tradition, seemingly for the last couple of years, a goalie, yep. one yep. goalie since, per draft. Since 2015, one goalie per draft. And uh, the goalie in question is Tyler Brennan, who was ranked first in North America by uh, – Central Scouting Services, that's the NHL service group. Other people felt, yeah, he's a fourth-round pick. This goalie class was very weak this year. That did not stop teams from drafting, like, 27 of them. Uh, (laughs) But but Brennan was, like, the third goaltender taken. There were two guys taken in the second round and nothing in the third. So Mm -hmm. it's very much throw a dart, hope for the best. Brennan is big. He's athletic. We'll see if he can work on stopping shots at a close range. That seems to be his biggest concern. He needs to be coached up. We'll see if the Devils um, and the teams Brennan plays for have the coaching personnel to coach him up appropriately because that's pretty much what it's going to come down to. Yeah, he didn't look thrilled to be selected, but maybe he had other things on his mind. He probably didn't want to go at 102nd overall. He probably expected to go a round or two earlier. That's fair. That's fair. Right. After that at 110, the Devils selected Daniil Orlov, who uh, just, I think, signed a contract, four-year contract to stay in Russia. So, yes, won't see him for a while. No. And to be fair, I could agree that he probably does need four years of development. It's just unfortunate because you kind of wish he would come. Even, even without the, quote-unquote, the Russian factor and everything that's happening in Putinist Russia right now, generally when you want to draft a player overseas, you do want to have at least an idea of like, when can you bring them over? When can you get them acclimated to your organization? When can you bring them into your systems? Um, that's going to happen in 2026 at the earliest for Orlov. So, uh, but all accounts seem to be that he's decent, you know, decent fourth round selection. He has some pres- presumed upside, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. And um, at, at the very minimum, at least it's evidence that the devils were not scared out of Russia. In fact, most of the NHL wasn't scared out of Russia at all. Like mm-hmm. they were still like, uh, they were still fourth in like nationality selected, which is on par with the past couple of years. So uh, nevertheless, um, best of luck to him. We'll see what, we'll see what happens. Um, so Dan, who came in with the third fourth round pick? The third and fourth round pick the Devils used was on Charlie Letty. No relation to Nick. Nope. Another U.S. national team development program, right-sided defenseman. 
That's right. This, if you're keeping count, everybody, the Devils have drafted four defensemen and a goaltender with their first five picks. Mm-hmm. And Letty is very much, you know what? I'm just going to cut right to the point. He's basically another case McCarthy. Yeah. He's not going to give you any offense. He plays entirely in his own end. His skills may be decent, but the upside is limited. He's going to go play college for four years and uh, best of luck to him. That's, that's basically, if you like the idea of a case McCarthy in your system, then you probably like this pick. If you're not, then you're not but hey we're talking about 126 overall you're at the point of the draft here yeah. where you're just hoping that you get a professional play yeah these are these are basically crapshoots at this point because uh, you can do all the analysis you want but the, with the speed that the picks are moving at also like it's clear that teams just have their lists and if the yeah. players on their list and they're still available take them that that's really it there's not too much thought going on in uh rounds two through seven i would say right however they did impress a little bit with their last three picks so at 141st overall they took uh peter petter hauser yeah uh petter hauser the first offensive player selected by the devils uh i'm just going to run through the last three picks really quickly yeah um at 166th overall they selected josh Philman, another uh forward and in the seventh round at 198th overall they took artom barabosha who is another defenseman Yep, that's the fifth defenseman taken out of eight picks. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, Tom Fitzgerald and his staff were not happy with all those defensemen taken in 2018 and 2019. Well, actually, that's not true. They only drafted two defensemen in 2018. But they didn't, they, they don't have a lot of high hopes for, you know, the missiles, the uh, the uh, Vukojevics and all that. So they definitely loaded up on D-men this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I will point out that Hauser is currently with the Czech under-20 national team for the World mm-hmm. Junior Championship uh, selection. He is an under-20 Czech player. Um, big forward. He's, he, uh, you know, you would think that with all the uh, thinking the Devils want to get big, beefy forwards, he's really the only one that they took uh, um, last week in Montreal. And Josh Philman, he's six foot two, but he's 157 pounds. He actually might be the closest thing to a steal in this draft, Dan, because he finished third on his team in Swift Current of the WHL in scoring. He was first on their team in shots. That team was pretty bad, um, but he still made he still got an invite to the CHL Top Prospects game and played in three games for Canada mm-hmm. at the World Under-18 Championships, which is usually a stronger resume than what you see in most sixth round selections. So for Philman, if he gets stronger and he gets better along with Swift Current getting better, there might be a player here. All right. And you will take a player in the sixth round for sure. It's rare that they, uh, that they make it to the league in general. Any thoughts on um, Barbosha? Well, his one clip that everybody noted was that he blew up Slakowski at the uh, Linka Gretzky cup back in uh, August of the previous year. Um, He's big. He's defensive minded. He could throw a good hit. Uh, he's another guy where, you know, you, you, you know, it's seventh round. It's he's a you know player in Russia. He's, I hate to say this, Dan. Um, what team does he play? He's, he's on CSKA Moscow's team. Oh boy. He's on their MHL team. And that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate because um, not just with Fedotov, but um, apparently the military ID crisis that may or may not be legitimate. Mm-hmm. among KHL players might be a factor in another Russian prospect mm-hmm. who will be going back to Russia this year. The, uh, is it our guy Shakir Mukamadulin? It is indeed Tom Fitzgerald announced after the draft in his post post draft press conference that he is being loaned back to UFA for another year, which I'm not a big fan of because 
you signed this guy to an ELC. What, you know, the first time, okay, we get it. You just signed him and you loaned him back for convenience sake. But now that you finally got him over, you have no idea what the situation is internationally, unless there's like a potential visa issue to keep him in Utica. Why send him back to Ufa? What is he going to do there that you're not going to have to unlearn or readjust when you bring him back to Utica in the future? Yeah, it's disappointing, especially considering that was a first round pick used on him. And again, the Devils had overall, they had three picks in the first round, but you know, it still kind of feels like a waste when one's not going to deliver within three years of, you know, being selected. It seems I don't, I don't really know what the plan is with him, but you know, they're lucky that Dawson Mercer panned out as well as he did. Um, Yeah, for sure. And I don't know the, this draft overall very much strengthens the defensive pipeline the Devils had. Yes. I think uh, at forward, and this will bring in one of the points I wanted to talk about um, as well. It's something that happened today. The uh, defensive pipeline just got significantly, maybe not, well, a lot stronger with Nemitz there, but also just more volume. You want to have yes. more volume that the Devils did not have a good amount of defensemen to, to sift through en route to fixing this decade-long problem that they've had of not being able to play defense. But the forward pipeline is pretty strong in that there's a lot of AHL players who performed well enough last year that they deserved their opportunities. They got looks in New Jersey, and some of them did impress more than a player that the Devils bought out today in Yanni Kwakanen. And Kwakanen came over in the trade from uh, the Sammy Vatanen trade to Carolina Listen, you know, at first it was promising, but he just never really came together for him, I don't think. I, I think he's one of those players that when he was just starting out, he won the, uh, as we discussed before the call, the Bo Bennett analytics are there, but won't score any points prize. And then the last two years, the analytics weren't there. He was injured a bunch. He became a casualty of the fact that the Devils need to integrate players like uh, Fabian Zetterlund, who had a pretty good showing in New Jersey, Nolan Foote. Um, they have Alex Holt in the pipeline as well. And they wouldn't play the same roles necessarily as Kwakanen, but just to give these guys room yeah. was important. And also the savings that the Devils get, they save 1.6 million against the cap, which gives them even more room to play with. Although I'm starting to fear that uh, there's really no good way that they can spend all that money. Well, Dan, um, the, the spending of the money is a bit of a larger issue, and I'll touch on that in a little bit. And mm-hmm. this will get into the RFAs and all that. Yep. Uh, but just on Kwakinen first, you know, he did look promising alongside Hughes and Sharon Govich in the 2021 season. He looked like he was the guy that, you know, helped, helped tie the room together. He wasn't necessarily the big shooter like Sharon Govich. He wasn't, you know, the big deal, but he looked well upon them. But um, his performances to start this past season were Prad. He got pulled off that line. and despite the many different forward combinations the Devils used this past season between injuries, between guys just not playing well, and Quokkanen was one of them, mm-hmm. um, nothing really clicked for the guy. And yeah. his uh, his five-on-five numbers, he, only aver- he ended up averaging just a little over 12 minutes per game, which is not that great. When he was on the ice, the Devils were out-attempted by um, a good margin. They were outscored by expected goals by a bigger margin. And they were outscored in actual goals by an even larger margin. Mm-hmm. These are five on five numbers that were almost as bad as Michael McLeod's last season. And that's never a place you want to be on top of that. He gave you just six goals and 17 points, which is fewer points than the 50 games he played with Hughes and Sharon Govich and now, yeah. and only by a little bit too. So basically, even if you have a belief that Quokken was going to bounce back, you know, 
it was his second NHL season. It was a tough season for everybody in New Jersey. Maybe he'll bounce back. What is he going to bounce back to that you couldn't replace with a Zetterlund or a Thompson or a Boakvist or a Holtz or any, or a bunch of other guys? So, you know, yes, the, they get the Devils will save a couple bucks. They'll save you know a million points, a million point six on this. But I think the buyout was really more or less to uh, create some room on an increasingly crowded forward uh, lineup in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And speaking of increasingly crowded forward lineups in New Jersey, the Devils have a bunch of restricted free agents that they qualified. And by that, I mean all of them. But yes. they did elect to take Miles Wood to arbitration. I think it's like you said, as we were discussing, this isn't so much a reflection of them not wanting to pay him, but it's hard to justify it when he missed the whole year last year. And if they think the arbitrator can award a little bit less and or a lot of bit less, it makes sense from their perspective. It just feels bad if your miles would obviously, but what's he really going to do about it? He can't really argue that he, you know, he may think he deserves it, but he didn't really play. So it's hard to yeah. justify giving him that money at this point in time. Maybe he'll play his way back into a bigger contract. Maybe they give him a year or something. Um, but yeah, yeah we ha- we'd have to see how he looks back at full strength because he just didn't, play at all last year he played a few games no. where he just clearly wasn't 100 and then he stopped playing because he wasn't 100 so right he had wrist problems he had hip problems you don't know what his what he's going to be like after those surgeries mm-hmm. he hasn't hit he hasn't been on the ice yet either like yeah. it's july 12th i know it seems like the training camp is far away but it's really not it's you know a little over six seven weeks away from now pavel zaka Uh, was an interesting qualification after he was the prime candidate to be traded in a lot of these hypothetical discussions that made no sense well the thing here is okay so first things first with wood um and and this is about this is a point i want to make with qualifying offers in general and what is a good example of this so by rule in the nhl cba if your qualifying offer has to be tendered that means it has to be given. It doesn't have to be signed. It doesn't have to be accepted. It has to be tendered by the team to the player and that dead by the deadline. And the deadline was actually 5 p.m. on Monday, July 11th. Mm-hmm. And if you don't tender that art, you know, don't tender that qualifying offer, that player becomes a UFA. Now, with fringe players, guys on you know lower in the lineup, not making a lot of money, you might be able to talk to them and say, look, we don't want to qualify you and lock you into this amount of money, but we want to sign you you know, for NHL league minimum or a little less than what the qualifying offer would be. And the player may be agreeing to that because it's more important that he has a job in the NHL than, you know, whether or not he gets the most money. Mm -hmm. Your mileage can vary vary about whether that's smart, but I'm just telling you that happens. But you don't do that to players like Zaka or Wood because they're already established NHL players making millions of dollars. And this is the point is that the qualifying offer for anybody who makes over a million in their base salary, not their cap hit, their base salary is 100%. So for Miles Wood, his base salary, regardless of how many games he didn't play last season, was $3.5 million, which is well above his cap hit of 2.75. So the qualifying offer had to be 3.5. And that's usually the baseline for what a new deal would be. So this is why the team elected arbitration probably happened here, because per the NHL CBA, an arbiter can offer up to 80, um, I'm sorry, at most, or at least, at least 85% of that base salary of the final year. So basically the devils can save, you know, 
um, you know, cut that down to 2.975 for a year or mm-hmm. two years, as it may be. Whatever, if it gets to arbitration, it's still not going to be a good good situation because arbitration tends to be cutthroat. It's very, you know, specific about what you can argue. You know, both sides are arguing and, and creating conflict against each other. And it, because it's team elected arbitration, the devils have to accept whatever the arbiter decides. So even though the arbiter could decide a lower salary than the qualifying offer, the arbiter could turn around and say, no, I want to offer more. And the devils mm-hmm. are going to be stuck with it and have an unhappy player. So we'll, you know, typically arbitration is used to force deals to happen. It's just usually it's the player that elects it and not the team. But yeah. uh, I think the devils are looking to save some bucks and wood is probably going to be okay with that. With the notion that look, he didn't play at all last season. Yeah, exactly. So to come in, to go into Tom Fitzgerald's office and say, I want 4 million per year. Cause you know, I deserve a raise. I got 3.5 million last year. Give me some more money. The answer is going to be for what? <laughs> yeah, that's when you hit him with a good luck, bud, and uh, walk yeah. out of the room. Yeah, you, and, you call you call up Edmonton and say, so what do you want for Jesse Pulled Your Jarvie? <laughs> yeah, well, oh, we have a trade to announce also. This just happened live. Oh. Cam Talbot's been moved to the Ottawa Senders who continue to make deals here. They also acquired Alex Dabrinkit at the draft itself, a popular devil's target uh, in theory, but... The senders shoring up their team for not much of a cost here. No, and that's a bit of a concern because if we want the Devils to get better and hopefully make the playoffs or get close to making the playoffs next season, you need the other teams of the East to also not get better. You don't want Ottawa to jump in front of you. Yeah. But that's we'll have plenty of offseason to talk about what other teams do. Yeah, yeah, that's just a live thing that just happened. Right. But that's that's kind of the craziness right now because a guy, you know, Teams are looking to move guys on contracts uh, that they just can't agree to. So, you know, that's a legitimate possibility that if for whatever reason arbitration doesn't work out, maybe the move is to move Wood. And that might be the case of why they're also willing to move a Pavel Zaka, which is something Kevin Weeks reported on of teams having interest in him. Because, again, his qualifying offer is $3 million. That's Mm -hmm. not nothing, Dan. And um, you could argue that Zaka is who he is at this point, an inconsistent winger that doesn't really – who's pretty much the definition of a square peg trying to be jammed into a round hole. Um, honestly could use a scenery change and the devils could again, open another, open up another roster spot for a forward and also save a decent amount of money in the process, but they didn't want him to go become an unrestricted free agent and lose him for nothing. So they had to qualify. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. I mean, the, this, who else is qualified by our, uh, well, yeah, by this RFA. Well, okay. So, this is a larger point I wanted to make, and this kind of ties into what the devils could do for free agency uh, mm-hmm. frenzy. So it's very tempting to look at the devils and say, oh, with Quokken being bought out, they have close to $27 million of cap space. So clearly they could do anything there. They have mm-hmm. $27 million of cap space. The problem with that thinking is that you, it ignores the RFAs. Cause again, mm-hmm. the qualifying offer kind of sets a baseline for what you're going to pay out. And in the case of miles wood, yes, he's being taken to team elected arbitration, but you might as well pencil in $3 million of space for him. Uh, even if the arbiter does come in at 85% of his base salary. So let's That's, keep a running count. That brings him down to 24. Right. Jesper Bratt was qualified at 3.45 million. Let's be real, Dan. He's getting a lot more than that. Yeah, let's say uh, around seven, I would say. Yeah, let's, right? yeah let's, let's use a nice round number. So already, 17. All right. So already we're down to 17 million. We just talked about two guys. Mm-hmm. 
Pavel Zaka was qualified at three million. Let's say for the sake of argument, the Devils don't trade him, or at least they don't trade him now, and he gets that three million just to keep it easy. So we're down to what? Fourteen million. Fourteen. All right. Jesper Bokvist, Fabian Zetterlund, and Tyce Thompson were also qualified. Now Thompson could be is still exempt from waivers. So in theory, you could move him down to Utica with no problem. Zetterlund and Bokvist, on the other hand, cannot. So you might as well pencil them into the New Jersey lineup. Uh, their qualifying offers, because they were paid less than a million dollars last season, is uh, 105% of their base salary. So that's roughly, uh, it's, you might as well make it $900,000 for each. So 900,000 times three, that's 2.7 million for the three of them. Mm-hmm. And then there's Vitek Vanacek, the guy the Devils just acquired. Yeah. Now, he also came in. He only got paid $750,000 last season, Dan. He, he was an NHL minimum goaltender, giving you NHL average goaltending or better, mm-hmm. which is good value. It also means he's going to get a big raise. And goaltenders in a platoon tend to make around um, 3 to $4 million. In yep. fact, let me look up Ville Huso's contract. As a it's nice like 4.65, I think. 4.75, you were close. Oh, okay, close. But but you know what? That's the idea here is that, you know, he's going to, Vanacek isn't just going to come in and just accept a million dollars. Like he's going to have to, he's going to command and demand and probably get somewhere in that 4 million range. So again, that's 2.7 for the three, um, we'll call them fringe forwards, and then add another four for Vanacek. And so let's see here. Um, we're down to 10, 10 minus 2.7. Uh, that brings us to what? Um, I should be able to do math in my head more, more quickly than this. Uh, I don't want to embarrass myself on the internet. Well, we're at 14. We we're at 14 pre Vanacek, or was that even pre Zaka? It was 14 after Zaka. 2.7 for the three other guys brings you down to 11.3. And then if you assume four for Vanacek, you're down to 7.3 in cap space. Yeah. And so they, in order to fit in the, the dream acquisition, which I think we all agree would be Johnny Gaudreau this offseason, yes. um, they would have to create some space via sending Pavel Zaka. Either sending Pavel Zaka, hoping that somebody will take uh, Thomas Johnson. Tatar at his $4.5 million contract, Andreas Johnson at his $3.4 million contract. Yep. Um, or if you want to go Galaxy and move a defenseman because you really believe Nebitz is going to make the team right away, which P.S. don't do that. He's not. Uh, He's not. uh, You need some time. But uh, you could offer, see see if anybody's interested in a Ryan Graves or a Damon Severson to save some money. We actually got a question before we recorded, Dan, from a man named Jason asking, uh, what number is the cap hit too high for Gaudreau? The, the, the question that Jason said, it's 11.5 million. Um, we just proven that with the RFAs alone, <laughs> you yeah. don't have 11.5 million to play with. You don't. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the doubles are going to have to create some more space if they really want to go out and get a Johnny Gaudreau, who's already being rumored and being offered like 10.4 million per year by Calgary for eight years, which is... Mm-hmm crazy but at the same time he put up 115 points last season like yeah <laughs> how could you how could you say he's not worth the biggest contract out of all the free agents i mean how how much of a dream would it be to see that guy play on hughes's wing it would be beautiful poetry we all know it. we all see it 
it is something that I don't think the Devils have a lot of competition in terms of um, who can acquire him because yeah. he's going to demand such a cap hit. I mean, Calgary is the obvious impediment to that. It seems like they've offered him a lot of money and he just needs to make a decision before tomorrow. And I think the highest odds still remain on him staying there. Yeah. Um, and uh, Philadelphia seemingly making some weird moves to try and create some space for him. Uh, Seattle's another name, uh, another team that got floated around as a team with a lot of cap space, not too far from where he already is. And they don't have a, um, a tax, I think, the same way they don't have a state income tax uh, like the Floridian teams do. So that's attractive as he gets the whole value of his contract, even if it's for a little less money. Um, so I don't know. I think it's weird to see big stars change teams. I think the obvious exception is John Tavares, but how often have we seen people of this caliber actually end up changing teams despite all the rumors? Stamkos ended up resigning. Um, you know, you had Sidney Crosby, you had Latang just signed for six more years. Malkin's the exception, but uh, there's a lot of interesting names floating around in uh, unrestricted free agency this year, especially of those um RFAs that weren't qualified by their teams. There's a lot of surprising names that we didn't think would be available. And it's like teams really penny pinching or just planning to tank like the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, there's a lot more out there. So of the names that you've seen, John, what do you think? I'm going to ask you two separate questions. Okay. What do you think are the most realistic names for the devils to get? And what are the names that would be best for the devils to get? Right. So this is going to sound crazy, but I really do think, and I'm a little afraid that the Devils are going to swing big on Gaudreau mm -hmm. because the Devils are one of those few teams where it does make sense. And it's not just because he's a Jersey guy. Like the Devils' biggest need now that they have Vanacek, and Fitzgerald has said, I'm fine with a Vanacek Blackwood tandem, which might be some famous last words in a couple months, but we'll see, uh, is wing. And mm -hmm. Gaudreau is the best winger on the market again. He put up 115 points in 82 games last season. He's a he's now a lifetime point per game player over 602 games. Uh, anybody who's complaining about his playoff performances, like he put up 14 in 12 games last year, like he wasn't the he wasn't the reason why Calgary got skunked by Edmonton, guys. Yeah, uh, you know, um, you know, this is a guy that unlike a lot of guys, like say, just to pick a name, Jesper Bratt, he has a history of being a consistent producer. And even though I'm of the belief that he put up such an amazing season, like he's never going to repeat it. Like he's not going to immediately turn into dust, but he's going to turn 29 in August. So if you're going to offer him seven years, you're going to have to ask the question, like, are you willing to eat some really awful years at age 34, 35, 36 with him, knowing that you're going to pay him a ton of money, but the devils are one of the few teams that where positionally skill wise, talent wise, money wise, they could make it work um, other than Calgary. And Hey, if he does end up staying there, then they have one Matthew Kachuk that they need to do something about. Well, I think Andrew Mangiapane is probably going to be the uh, odd man out there, which yeah. is another guy the devil should probably at least inquire about. Mm -hmm. um, but getting back to your questions, Dan, in terms of, you know, potential things, I think, you know, the complaints of, you know, the devils need some beefy wingers, you know, guys who are strong, not small. Well, Gaudreau doesn't answer that, but the dude, you know, I don't know what you want me to tell you. He plays on Calgary and scores a bajillion points. Like, I don't know what you want him to prove to you. Yeah. But if you want some bigger, beefier wingers to play off of Hughes and Heischer, um, you want that. Like, there are plenty of options there. Guys who can produce and play well off of skilled centers 
like a Heischer and a Hughes and an opposite of a of a Brat and a Mercer, like mm-hmm. Andre Burakowski is hitting mm-hmm. the market. He he would be a fine option. Um, very solid player. He's still relatively young among this uh, free agent class of 27. Definitely somebody I would kick the tires on. You could make some uh, fans of our hated rivals very unhappy by looking into Ryan Strom or Andrew Kopp. Mm-hmm. Um, Kopp in particular is very versatile at forward. Uh, Strom uh, was told he's going to walk. So, you know, both these guys played a good amount of minutes, averaged uh, just over 0.7 points per game, which is always a good sign. Um, I've always been a fan of Vincent Trocek. He's not big, but he definitely works his tail off, does a lot of good things well. If you're looking for a right winger, you got that. Mason Marchment had a fantastic season. Um, big, beefy, strong winger is going to get a massive pay raise uh, since he put up 47 points in 54 games last season. In a way, you could argue he would be the ideal selection for the Devils You know, to get that blend of power and skill on the team, although I'm a little concerned that he just had the best season of his life, but Hey, you got to take some risks. And this is a guy worth taking a risk on. Speaking of, you want to see if Dylan Strom's got anything in the tank. He probably does. He's only 25. Uh, he was not qualified by Chicago as their confusing rebuild is uh, continuing. Um, 48 points, 22 goals last season. Big, big guy who probably wants to show that. Yeah. He's a, he's a gamer. I, I don't think they qualify Kubalik either. Right. No, but Kubalik has been pretty bad the past couple of years. Strobe okay. has been fairly good, which is why I said it's a confusing rebuild. Like, I don't know why you want to dump the 25-year-old. Or the know, 24-year-old for, guy who has multiple 40-goal seasons already. Yeah, you know, the fourth leading scorer of his draft class that included Austin Matthews, Matt, Matt Kachuk, and Patrick Laine, Um, you know, yeah. for, for picks. But anyway, uh, you know, in terms of realistic options, I think Marchment's a realistic option. Cop is probably a realistic option. Nito Niederreiter out of Carolina, even though he wasn't very productive this past season, I think he has the skill set to hang as a winger on a top six line, even if he isn't going to be your massive point scorer um, that you might expect. Um, I think Andrzej Palat, again, he's not big like Trocek, but again, works his tail off. I think Palat showed in the playoffs that, yeah, he, he you know, this is a guy you could run with um, and do pretty well with. Ilya Mikheyev out of Toronto would actually be a fun option. I think he, uh, you know, 21 goals in 53 games is definitely worth uh, kicking the tires on if the Devils were looking for a middle six option. And Sonny Milano, who played pretty well opposite of Trevor Zegras. Again, I don't know why they didn't qualify him outside of the fact that Anaheim just doesn't like him. Like he only needed to be qualified at $1.7 million or so 1.8 million. And they have so like weird. 30 plus million in cap space. I think Pat Verbeek just doesn't think very much of him, but if you're looking for a cheap depth option and you don't want to necessarily commit hard to Holtz or uh, somebody else making the team right out of Utica, Milano wouldn't be the worst idea either. So there's actually quite a few realistic choices here without having to spend, you know, potentially 60 to $70 million on Johnny Gaudreau. Mm-hmm. And do we know what time of officially free agency uh, begins? Is it five thirty? Yes. No. 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 Okay. No. So free agent free agency, even though it's on a different day this year, historically it's been on July first. Yeah, it's on Canada, Canada Day. It's at the as you said the start of the contract year. Um, this year it's on the thirteenth because everything was adjusted due to COVID and the draft. Um, it's going to be on the thirteenth. That's Wednesday, July thirteenth at noon Eastern mm. Standard Time. So don't. To be fair, the NHL still allows discussions, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, can't discuss details, but let's be real. They're discussing details. 
else. Mm-hmm. So expect a lot of deals to be announced just before or just after noon begins. Um, as always, look for confirmation. Don't rely on social media insider accounts that are totally fake. Uh, don't get snared. Don't get fooled. Um, you know, the devil's biggest need going into the free agency this year was goaltending, and they already addressed that through the draft. So credit to Fitzgerald for that. The big question is going to be, are they going to be tantalized and um, uh, what's the word to look here? Serenaded by the siren song of Johnny Gaudreau, mm-hmm. or are they going to opt to, um, you know, go, go a little cheaper, but still spend a good amount of money for a Burakovsky or a cop or a Strom or a Marchment and, and look to add that quote unquote power winger to play off of uh whole, you know, play off of Keisher, play off of uh, Brat, play off of Hughes. We shall see very soon. But at the very least, we know the Devils are going to do something on Wednesday. Let's hope they don't blow it. Yeah, and I think the risk is low that they just chuck a bunch of money at someone because I think there's very much a hot seat situation going on here. The Devils have made have won one playoff game in a decade. Everyone yeah. is under scrutiny and has been for a long time. And, you know, Fitzgerald, this is what, his third year in, at the helm uh, coming up? Third year at the as the general manager, but he's yep. been an assistant in the organization since 2015. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they got a lot of pressure to actually produce something, especially when it was very clear that the Devils had specific deficiencies that held them back this year. Those are things that it's not ambiguous as to what the problems were. And so you have to address them or nothing gets better. And if they end up being the same problems that they were already, uh, you know, you can't really answer for that. So they need to do something here. They, they need to shore up that top six uh, yep. to help out their team offensively. I mean, the, the offensive side of the puck was pretty good for the devils last year. Mm. Uh, you know, it wasn't bottom of the league, bottom half of the league. No, it was like but- been five on five play. They were top half of the league and that's pretty good. Right. But as always, and we saw this with our, you know, the now defending cup champion Colorado Avalanche and the finalists, Tampa Bay, you can never have enough scoring. You can never have enough guys who can push to play forward. You can never have enough guys to attack. I know Tom Fitzgerald made a comment, a stupid one, by the way, at at the uh, breakdown press conference back in um, April saying he didn't want too many of the same type of player. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no such thing as too many sports cars. For, for a racing team, yeah. you know, you, you don't hear, you know, we got enough Ferraris, we got enough Lamborghinis, we got enough Porsches, you know, I want to buy a Kia for this next race. Like, no, that's not how this works, guys. And you could see that with the playoff production, like nobody sat there and said, oh my goodness, Nikita Kucherov's too small to hang in the playoffs. Like he, he just keep, he keeps producing. Oh, Kale McCarr's not massive. He's not even six foot. Well, he won the con Smythe unanimously, guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, the playoffs stop. were a great example of how important goalies are also in that yeah. the Rangers were semifinalists. <laughs> exactly. Great goaltending can cover up a lot of sins and a lot of bad, you know, maybe not bad, but inefficient roster decisions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm of the opinion that, you know, yes, I can see the Devils getting a bigger, stronger winger to complement the smaller forwards up front. But if you got a guy who can attack, go and get more attacking. Mm-hmm. And legitimate attacking, not whatever Lindy Ruff's idea of attacking was, which was inefficient as I'll, I'll, I'll get out. I will say, as to your point, Dan, this is a very important season for Fitzgerald and Ruff. You know, mm-hmm. this could very well be Ruff's last coaching job in the NHL. 
you know, it's a very much a what have you done for me lately industry for players. I got to think it's the same for coaches to a degree. And, um, you know, if this team face plants for a third straight season after the first month of the regular season, we're talking about a new GM and a new head coach. Simple as it doesn't matter what they do tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been praising a lot of smart deals and good decisions and guys in theory that would work out. And some of it has worked out and some of it not so much. But to your point, Dan, it's got to lead to results. This is the time here. I've had quite enough of quote unquote winning the off season just to end up getting less than 80 points a season. Yeah. It's not even, terrible. Yeah. yeah. You're not even missing the playoffs by 10 points. You're missing it by 30 plus. That's not, and you can argue that it's going to fix. Well, you can argue that at a certain point, you're just so far that like the, the motivation to try oh, and salvage these games is very low. So maybe if they, I don't want to say that they weren't trying, but I don't, I don't think they were too, you know, upset at all the results as long as people got playing time and got to have auditions for next year. I think a lot of people end up playing for themselves and their place on the team uh, moving on. Once you get to that point in the season, you can tell from all the auditions, auditions that happen then. But yeah, hopefully the results start translating. And um, again, I know a lot of people are nervous about the platoon of goaltenders, but if Blackwood gets back to at least somewhat of what he was a couple of years ago, that could be okay. Yeah, in theory, the, the tandem of a Blackwood-Vanacek tandem on paper can work. And we've seen this even again with our now defending cup champions. Like Darcy Kemper's a really talented goaltender, but it wasn't like he was on a Shesterkin level or a Vasilevsky level in that postseason. And Pavel Frankuz, again, he's a pretty talented goaltender, Dan, but he's not you know a top 10 goaltender either. Mm-hmm. And Colorado won the whole damn thing. And they yeah. won it, what, what? They won like, they only lost, what, four games? Mm-hmm. Five games. I'm trying to remember exactly how long that uh, Tampa series was. Actually, it was no, it was... six games. Yeah. So they lost four games all postseason. Yeah. Um, some of them were close. Some of them required overtime and the goaltenders came through. So we've seen for years those legendary teams of Detroit that were backed up by Chris Osgood, of all people. Um, you can make it work if everything else is great. So if Blackwood and Vanacek are just above decent, yeah, the Devils will be a much more competitive team. And you'll get more, you'll continue to see improvements from Hughes, Heesher, Mercer, Sharon Govich, Pratt. Um, but it's going to come down to what do you do with the rest of the lineup? And again, this is where, I, as I said earlier, Goudreau is a really tantalizing option because he could put that forward group over the top mm-hmm. and demonstrate that the Devils are here to play. You know, ownership's not, not messing around with the money here. But at the same time, you don't want to lock your, you don't want to shoot for the stars, miss, and now you're stuck with a lot of bad contracts and, a really ugly situation it's also easier to play defense when it's impossible to take the puck away from your forwards exactly like being able as much as i've stressed corsi and puck possession all these years and all about the jersey it's it's true (laughs) you know it makes your life easier if you're controlling the run of play it really does so do the things that you can to make that work and don't do it by lindy ruff's way of just you know settling for 60 footers from you know Ryan Graves, you know, on shifts when Hughes is on the ice, like get get legitimate shots to be taken, win pucks more, you know, without necessarily have to overload on defense, which maybe shouldn't be a problem that LA now that LA Nazardine's not coming back. Uh, He's in Dallas now. So, you know, we could see some legitimate improvements and we could see some legitimate gains made to this roster as of July, uh, you know, Tomorrow evening, July 13th at you know 7 p.m., we could sit here and say, you know what? The Devils are a better hockey team than they were last season. That's good. Now, please actually do it on the ice. Yeah. 
yeah no that's totally fair and we're all just hoping for the same thing here I, I think tomorrow should bring a lot of light to what's going to happen but again we have to wait till october to see how it all takes form and we'll we'll break down any free agent deals the devils make um you know as they not as they happen but in the next episode hopefully they're they're wrapped up there and have some semblance of what their team's going to look like uh there is development camp happening this week i don't want to read the entire roster because it's a lot of the guys that we mentioned in this past draft and guys that they've drafted in the last couple i would say a surprise name there is uh philip bratt uh, Jesper's brother. That's Jesper. an interesting name to have there. Defenseman Philip Bratt. Yeah. Who wears number 63 for AIK, which was Bratt's team in, in Sweden. Um, and is about the same height and weight as Jesper Bratt, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little weird, actually. He's wearing 64, by the way, not 63. That yeah. number is reserved. Um, but yeah, no, this this Ross, this development cramp roster does have. A couple of interesting names among the invite list, but it's a, it's a standard invite list. You got some college guys, you got some junior guys, uh, you know, guys who, you know, maybe had a good season. They have a guy from Ilvis in Liga in Junus Odin, which is weird because mm-hmm. uh, he's actually signed with Ilvis. I'm surprised he came over to New Jersey just for a week of development camp, but Hey, you get your opportunities where you can. Interestingly, all the goaltenders are devil's property. Uh, Schmidt, Dawes, Brennan, Cole Brady, Jacob Malik showed up. He's mm-hmm. not with the Czech team, so credit to him for showing up. And Isaac Poulter was a Utica signing back in June. So, there we go. you know, lock, locking, locking down the goaltending position. Good thing Brennan got drafted. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, he'd be shut out of this yeah. uh, cadre here. But uh, of note are the guys who are not at this camp. There's no uh, Nikita Okotyuk. There's no Kevin Ball. There's no Riley Walsh. Obviously, uh, Shakir Muhammadulin isn't there because he's back in Russia now, I believe. Um, I think that's a pretty good sign that maybe the Devils are looking at Zetterlund, Ball, Walsh, and Akutyuk as potential New Jersey uh, yeah. possibilities. Uh, and it makes I... sense. Those guys got really long audition. I mean, maybe not Akutyuk as much, but Ball got a pretty decent-sized audition with New Jersey last year. Yeah, and the season prior. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in many ways, as much as and going back to why, you know, why did the Devils draft so many guys? And I made a comment about maybe they don't like the guys they drafted in 2019 or acquired in that year. Um, yeah, this is really put up or shut up time for these guys. Like their their contracts are going to end after this season for Ball, Walsh. And I think a Kutyuk might have another year left on it, but it's, it's getting close to the end of that contract. Mm-hmm. The point is, is that if you're not going to make your team now, when are you going to make it? Because Nevitz is, is already here. Muhammadulli might come back from Ufa at some point. Mm-hmm. Luke Hughes is going to come back from Michigan after this year. All of a sudden, these guys who we've been talking about as potential options from Utica, suddenly you start going, you, you got jumped, <laughs> you know? Well, we're hoping so, their winning can translate, their winning in Utica can translate to um, to New Jersey. It's been the, the sticking point for such a long time. And to be fair, Utica in the previous iteration, Binghamton, had about as much success in the last decade as New Jersey did up until last year where they seemed to turn things around. Yeah. They had a hot start and just kept it rolling, but uh, you know, the next, the next step for this camp, cause it's just development camp. You know, you're just having some scrimmages. You're getting some looks in front of the coaching staff. You're in New Jersey. The, re- the real next audition is going to be at the prospects challenge, mm-hmm. which uh, the details have yet to be announced, but Fitzgerald did say before the draft that they are going back to Buffalo. They're going back to the Harbor center for this. 
Um, he believes uh, some new teams are involved. Pittsburgh is going to only get to show up for one game. So you might see Ottawa. You might see, I think, maybe Montreal. Montreal yeah. yeah, that was the other team he mentioned. Well, uh, details will come out, obviously, in a couple of weeks. But yeah, the, that's probably going to be the next step for some of these guys at camp right now to get an opportunity to hopefully win another opportunity to get another opportunity in training camp to earn an opportunity of preseason. It sounds ridiculous, but that's legitimately just for Brett's of the NHL. Yeah. Please, please get re-signed soon, sir. <laughs> so as things solidify, we hope Jesper Brad is signed by the time we record our next episode. Uh, anything else for today? I know we covered a lot of ground. Woo, yeah, we did cover quite a bit. Um, I think the only thing I really want to highlight, and this is like a general point I'd like to make for free agency, Dan, UFAs are unrestricted, Dan. Mm-hmm. That means it is up to them what they <laughs> want to do. So, you know, don't sit there and pout if, you know, the Devils made an offer and the player chose somebody else. That's not necessarily a sign that the Devils are not an attractive organization or not willing to spend money or whatever. You know, it could just as be as simple as that's not just not what the player wants. And that's actually one of the points... I'm thinking about Gaudreau now that I'm thinking about this. If I'm Johnny Gaudreau, Dan, I played my entire career in Calgary. I put up 609 points in 602 games. I put up 33 playoff points in 42 playoff games. Calgary has not been anywhere close to being a cup contender throughout Gaudreau's entire career. He's he's turning 29 next month. What did he want to chase a cup ring, Dan? I don't know. I mean, what if, what if... – it's it's easy to look at the devils and say they're not close to a cup but like right but my man a few things turn around and they could be (laughs) well yeah but that's kind of my point here is that unrestricted free agency is exactly that you know money is obviously a major driver for these decisions dan Mm because you know it's a profession it's a business but players can pick a team based on whatever they want and you can't try not to get mad if the UFA that you want, if his name is Johnny Gaudreau, or his name is Claude Giroux, or his name is Nazem Kadri, or his name is Andre Burakovsky, or Mason Marchment, and so forth. If they don't pick the Devils, it may not necessarily because the Devils didn't put in a good offer or didn't recruit them or whatever. It could be something as simple as they just didn't want to go there because they just rather would be somewhere else. That's life deal with it. Like There's things to blame Fitzgerald for, but you can't control how other people feel. That's it. (laughs) That's life, you know. That's it. Like they, they made their decisions. I'm sure, you know, there's there's due diligence being done, but at the end of the day, they decide. So relax, relax a little bit. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We appreciate you listening as always. And we'll be back uh, probably in a week or two, depending on how much happens in the next uh, segment of free agency here. But As always, you are the people who matter, and we love bringing this podcast to you. So if you have suggestions, comments, concerns, feel free to let us know in the comments, and we will catch you all next time. Let's go Devils. Go Devils. Devils.